Except for entrance music, I don't. I have a list of 99 things, so just say stop. Stop. What have... I thought you had a... I do. I just... I haven't edited it yet. Our main intro. Oh, okay. I have our main intro, and I got the one we were given. I just haven't edited it yet. I'm being lazy. That's fair. I was just wondering. Just say stop when you're ready. Stop. Stop. No, let's go. Stop. (laughs) Okay. Don't know what we're getting here. This is going to be great. Plumbing or electrical problems? (laughs) Is your AC or heater on the fritz? (laughs) Not that. Thanks, YouTube. (laughs) Oh god, it was a tiger like it was a tiger commercial. I hate those fuckers. <laughs> They're the worst. Beer fueled. Welcome to Beerfield. I am your host at Beerfield Hop with two peas as always, joined by Beerfield Thurry with two nothings. Dan, tell me what you like. Tell tell me what you like. I like getting a draft pick for a defense. That's what I really like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that didn't feel great, but it felt fine. So Dan and I made a trade earlier today. Um I like earlier today. <laughs> he wasn't my. He wasn't About my. Like an hour ago. <laughs> he wasn't my first choice. Well, I offered it like six hours ago. That's true. You you did. He wasn't my first choice. So in his dynasty league, we still have defenses and kickers because they matter. Kickers more so than the defenses. But, yeah, but still. Yes. But still. Um. So I've had the Bears for a bit, and I haven't bothered to swap them out because it's pretty insignificant. But I had. I don't carry. Two defenses for most of the season. I don't carry two kickers for most of the season. I pick them up when I need them. Well, my opponent, Nick, is also um, competing with me and one other guy for tops in this division. Uh, decided to possess, and he had for most of the season. I think he only picked up one to limit my options, but is possessing like six defenses right now, which one could argue is poor roster construction, but it is great defense. So my options were the Lions or the Lions or the Lions because the Jets had been out there and I definitely would have went for them, but he picked them up to play defense and I had nobody I really wanted to cut. So I was waiting for Sleeper to put Darnold to a position where I could IR him. Didn't get there until later. So anyway, in redraft leagues where you have defenses, you're happy to get, you should be happy to get really anything for them. And I offered a fourth rounder to another guy that we play with for one of his two defenses. And he said no. 
So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I'm not going any higher than that for a defense. I'll start the damn Lions. And I saw Dan had three, and he's a rebuilding team. Guy that declined it was a rebuilding team, too. So I shot it to him. Never feel He accepted. Never feels good to uh, <laughs> give up a draft pick for a defense. But at the same time, that's a fourth-round pick that may never mean anything to my roster at all. And he's a rebuilding team that needs lottery tickets and really could care less about the second defense. If he has to pick up and start the Lions to start a defense, even better. He's not trying to win. So, Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a very easy, like, so in context, I saw the trade earlier today. Cause he, cause Hopper sent it to me like in the middle of the afternoon. It was like mm-hmm. one o'clock or something. I think he sent it to me two o'clock. I, I, I had just gotten to my area. I'm going to do some work. I saw it. I was, I was going to immediately accept it, but I, I decided to think on the fact that maybe I can get a third for my defense. I went and looked, saw that he doesn't have a defense. I assumed, I think it's probably a better idea to have, if you're a team that's been competing, Maybe I know that you didn't have the idea that you were going to compete this year. I didn't know I think, how it was going to go. Yeah, I think probably you know a few weeks down the line. I I think the better way to go about it was to have a defense prepared for that week. It but probably was. It probably either way. Well, and on the flip side of that, right? So I didn't yeah. not look. Right, I'd actually been looking for three weeks. But okay. the only things that were out there were like the Falcons, the Jets, the Lions, yeah. whatever. So I was hoping, was what I was hoping for is some of these teams that were holding three, four, five defenses would end up getting into a position where they would drop something a little better you, for me to pick them up. So I was kind of playing my cards and writing that one out. And it just, it never got there. And I don't have like, the back of my roster is guys that it's like I could cut, but I don't really want to because like, you know, I picked up Zacchaeus, right? Yeah. Well, he's got as good of a chance at anybody at being a leader. He's a, somebody you want at the back end of a roster right now, right? He's potentially a top wide receiver option on a team. Khalif Raymond, same thing. Not sexy, probably an offseason cut, but right now, top receiving option, top wide receiver option on a team. Um, you know, Kene Nuanu, we'll talk about in a minute, but you know, I can't taxi him cause I picked him up off waivers. So, I mean, there's a bunch of guys sitting on the back end of my roster that is like, all right, these guys have value. I don't just want to cut them. I had already cut the things I wanted to cut to roster them potentially having value. So I had to wait for Darnold to be IRable and. Just a lot of things didn't break my way on that one. But you're right. It's probably better off to have a second defense and a kicker. Second kicker. And now I I do. And at the same time, I mean, in a league like this, it's not the worst thing to trade a fourth, as you mentioned. You know, it may never be anything. It may never be. It may never be anything for me. What they are is you're going to draft somebody. And if you have a deep roster. Funny enough, though, Hmm. I traded. I traded with with Ryan this year, I believe, for... I think we traded players for defense. Him and I made a trade earlier this year mm-hmm. that was for the Packers defense that I ended up... I'm just going to pull it up here. So, wait, you've traded two defenses this year? I have. Uh, that is pretty impressive. Where is it? Yeah, we traded... 
while he looks that up. It was it, it was a part of a Cortland Sutton trade. Hmm. Um, <laughs> There's a Cortland Sutton trade with the it was, it was part of the Cortland. So I got I got Sutton and Mike Davis, and I traded away Hunt, Chark, a twenty-two third, my twenty-two third. Gotcha. And the Packers defense. This is when I, I, I went and acquired Sutton. This is when I was trying to go. I was still thinking I could maybe compete. So I wanted to, you know, redo my team. In hindsight, I, I probably still, I won't say won the trade, but it's a bit washed. Just Ryan's competing with none of these pieces because Hunt's on IR, Chark's on IR. I mean, Green Bay's defense has been, it's been great, right? So it's not like, especially it's down the stretch, a complete but... wash, but yeah. When you look at Ryan's team to that seven and two, really needing a receiver. Yeah, it's uh and then he not not being able for him to get, you know, Cortland Sutton is it's been yeah. Yeah, and what I was gonna say is that fourth round pick to me too is just somebody you have to cut in the offseason. And I'm a guy that my team is a team that competed in year one and then went into rebuild. And through what I would consider very solid drafting more so than anything else. You know, Debo Samuel was somebody I drafted. Cooper cup was somebody that I, that I drafted. Matt Stafford was, was off a waiver. Swift was a draft pick, you know, uh, Gordon's from my original roster, but I mean, retooling on the fly with some of those McLaurin was a draft pick. And some of those guys that are carrying me right now, like, you know, there's, depth to this roster that you know it's like i'm not ready to give up on some of these guys yet so that fourth round pick it's like i'm holding it but that could be somebody i have to cut in the offseason that i don't want to cut you know yep so just depends but either way trade where both sides win because you're a rebuilding team that gets a lottery ticket i'm a team that's very much going to barring something extremely catastrophic be a playoff team so, God, I'm looking at Ryan's team, and I really wish he had people I want to trade for. <laughs> like he doesn't. Obviously, some players I wish it, that I won't say I wish that it'd be nice to have, but well, it's, it's in, nothing that's going to help the you no know, the both of us out. And it's in division for me, so I'm not even looking. You know? Yeah, I know. That's that's. <laughs> Ah, uh, I I'm rooting for Ryan. I love you, but I'm 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 rooting for the cats and misfit toys. This is like this is like Moneyball and fantasy football. How the fuck is this team seven and two? But it, it's scratch and clawed its way to a twenty win. He's ahead <laughs> of Nick right now, who should be I know destroying everything. Oh my god, it's so good. It, it's uh, Nick's had the worst fucking luck ever, and now his his team like mine is kind of starting to age out a little bit and <laughs> he's got he's got nothing to show for it oh god it's got it's so brutal yes he's had a stacked roster since year two and he's like he's yet to make the championship with this team he hasn't made the championship with this team not, not alone at least lose one in a heartache he has yet to make one no, oh, his heartache is a round team. one bounce He's the he's pack been bounced three years in a row in the first round. He's the Packers of this league. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is. Oh man, well, I may look uh, at him. He needs a tight end. I have a tight end. I may. Well, 
I may have a tight end. We'll I, see. I don't, but I know I have two of them. I have I actually have three that that are worth it. I have but two. Anyways, I have two we roster probably start right now. The show. Pro- well, we already kind of did. That was like <laughs> subject <laughs> one. Probably move on. Um. Yeah. Moving on to know. the actual part of the intro. Uh. Hey, we're gonna have a show today. Uh. We got a couple things on tap. We got some Dalvin Cook to talk about. Some Beckham injury news. Chase Claypool. Um. Maybe try to put a flag in some. Some league winners. I got a live report from Buffalo Jacksonville down in Jacksonville last week. Um, you know, just some of the, some of the finer points of, or not finer points rather, of week nine. And then we'll get into your full week 10 preview, just like we always do. Um, but before we do that, just like every week, we're drinking. I feel like I forgot something. Oh yeah. We're actually going to have a Sunday live stream this week, by the way. For those that look forward to that or whatever. We'll have a Sunday live stream this week. All the BS is out of the way now. What's fueling beer fueled? By the way, we had some reports of technical difficulties last week. Was able to figure out what those were. Nothing I could do about it. My uh, hard drive... I have two, but so when I'm done with the show, it exports to one, but the temp files from Audacity, because I'm terrible about closing it between shows, didn't clean up on my solid state, so I'd maxed that out, so it stopped recording the second channel. So, anyway, should be better this week. Dan, what are you drinking? I am drinking Revolution's Thundertaker. This is part of the Deep Wood series. Uh, this is last year's. This is uh, this is an imperial rice stout, Asian bourbon barrels. It clocks in at I think fourteen point five. I had found one of these. I thought I had drank all of them. I think two weeks ago, and I've been sitting on it. So, funny enough, and this was in collaboration with Benny. So this is when I was still working for the company. I was talking to. A couple guys that do a craft beer and hip hop podcast out in Chicago. They made a post about drinking. I think they were drinking just Death Star, so just the base of the Deep Wood series. And they're drinking out of a 192 can. And we got talking, and he asked me what, what my favorite barrel age is part of the you know part of that program. And I said Undertaker. And I'm waiting for them to potentially bring this back. I thought it would. I thought it would maybe be a one off. And the guys from Evolution tweeted back at us saying, "Just keep your eyes peeled." Hmm. With the, with the, with the smiley face, I believe. So, if you get a chance to get this, and Revolution's pretty, pretty widespread in terms, it's pretty widespread. I think they are in all fifty states. Um, if you get a chance to see this, though, I highly recommend picking it up. I'll give you guys more of my thoughts later on in the show, but this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, uh, bourbon barrel dish. All right, I can't remember if I've had this on before or not. If I had, it was recent. We're going to have to switch it up. Um, okay. Um, I've got Davis County's French Oak. No, you haven't. Okay. I talk about this a lot, so I can't ever remember where I talked about <laughs> it at. All right. So I was going to drink beer, and then I was full from dinner, and beer is filling and bourbon is less filling, so we were going bourbon again. Um, so Davis County is... Uh, from Lux Row, so the same people that make Ezra Rebel, um, Ezra Brooks Rebel, formerly Rebel, Rebel Yell, the Blood Oath series. Um, Davis County is their finish line. 
So they have actually have a straight bourbon, but then they have a cab finished, a French oak, um, a port, I believe, and then actually just released a double oak variant. So more of their finishing series. Um, this one is 96 proof. Again, this is French oak finished. Uh, this bottle actually came compliments of, uh, Dustin Paris, who is, uh, their brand rep. Mm. Um, they're based actually headquartered here out of St. Louis, distilling everything down in Kentucky. Absolutely beautiful facility if you're ever in Bardstown. Uh, Dustin's been good to my group. Great to me. Hung out with him a lot at the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. Um, this is his contribution to the bottle share, and he just said keep it. So I've been drinking on it pretty good. I have a full review about halfway through the show. Uh, nice. These bottles run about 35 to 50 bucks, so they're really on the affordable side for what they are, and they're very good. Sounds good. It is good. Full review later. French Oak, though, I will give you a spoiler, is the most widely heralded of the bunch. All right, um, let's go ahead and get into some of this stuff we got to talk about. Let's start off with Dalvin Cook. News broke last night. This is a crazy scenario. And this is gonna either going to go really good for Dalvin Cook or, like, very, 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 very badly. Yeah, it's it's such a... It's, it's, it's a situation. We'll just say that. It is a it's situation. There's very something. much a he said, she said right now. In the media. And what it is, is... So, I believe Dalvin Cook's side actually broke first. That he was the victim of domestic violence and an extortion attempt. That his ex-girlfriend had broken into his house using a stolen garage door opener. Maced him and his house guests. And then held them at gunpoint in a hostage situation. For several hours while Dalvin Cook tried to defuse the situation. Um, a struggle ensued as she went to apparently Mace or something. Another one of the house guests again or f- have a physical altercation with another one of them. A struggle ensued. She fell and cut her nose. Um, well, I mean, sorry. The struggle that ensued led to her cutting her nose. And, yeah, that was the end. The police were never called. She went back home um, to wherever. And then, like, I guess that was the end of it, except not, because apparently, according to that side of it, she'd been trying to extort money for the last year plus. Now, the flip side of this, right after that, her story came out. There's a civil suit against Dalvin Cook saying that he started it that she was just there to pick her stuff up using a garage door opener she had been given because they were dating uh that she was just there to pick her stuff up and there was a physical altercation and her side has come with instagram messages uh as well as pictures and the pictures i'm going to start with being a little split on because some of them look really bad but then you see the ones where it's more cleaned up and it's like there really is just kind of a little cut on the bridge of her nose. Like there's not I don't see a lot of swelling there like she was struck multiple times or anything like that. I don't see uh, I'm not a doctor either. Um, but then there's like one where she has like what looks like a T-shirt wrapped around her head and the top of her shirt's all in blood or whatever. And 
I don't know. I've had cuts on the bridge of my nose before because I wear glasses and that looks like it's about right where it happened. Those don't lead to that much blood. So anyway, without taking sides on this, this could go really good or really bad because, you know, obviously if Dalvin Cook is telling the truth, then he's he's fine. Minnesota protects that sort of thing. If he's not, then he's setting up for a cover-up and victim-shaming, and he's done-done. And we're not going to know no, for a while. Because it is a he said, she said, and quote a public opinion, people pick whatever side that they want to believe. His side came out first, hers came out second. There's definitely a lot of things here that are weird and messy, like why weren't the police involved in either scenario, for example. Why were reports not filed? Why did she travel all the way home if she was struck and had the crap beat out of her? Why would he not report a hostage situation if they were at gunpoint for a couple hours? You know, there's a lot there to unpack and a lot there that we are not going to know. What we do know is that the NFL is not currently planning any type of action at this time. They're going to unpack the facts, too. Dalvin Cook is going to play this week. And we'll see how the rest of it unfolds. This allegedly happened last November. So, in season. Yeah. In which he played majority of... I think he played until the end. I think he missed one game, but it came in a random week. So, I mean, he played... But, you know, you played through whatever trauma, if there is trauma. Again, you know, I agree. There's there's so trauma, much trauma and or guilt <laughs> or guilt. One of the two. And to me, it feels like it's probably there. If again, we're not experts. It, it almost feels like they're both embellishing what actually happened and they're embarrassed by what actually happened. But at the same time, it's like. You know, when there's smoke, there's fire. Obviously, I'm sure Cook defended himself, and that's what caused these bruises. But there was an also there was a video that got posted. I, it wasn't an Instagram. It was some. It, it was a recording that someone had posted, and while no faces or anything were showing, which again, I don't know how true this is. There was no one really saying it wasn't. But it, it, you could hear his girlfriend threatening his ex now, threaten him with a gun. Mm-hmm. Now she broke in, and you can kind of hear the altercation. It's clear as video. You can see it. They just don't have their faces in. So it, there's, there's so much. Well, apparently his this. side's collaborated by two witnesses, and you'd imagine there's cameras. And this was done by a phone, obviously. Yeah. So, and you have to imagine, you know, at this point in his career, he may have some surveillance set up. I'd hope so. so. I would think so. You know, high profile name. He hasn't hit his second contract, so he wasn't making millions yet. But he's going to have some money, endorsements and whatnot. If, if he has some, I, I, I'm pretty sure he does. But yeah, I'm sure he does. You you would think at that point he would have you know cameras and surveillance setups. You would think at some point something would just come out. But again. Like with you, I mean, maybe he wanted to hold off reporting because he didn't want to, you know, cause her more. Like he didn't want to piss her off more. Maybe, maybe he was a bit fearful that she may retaliate, and the fact that she's military. 
Well, and now some side to that too. And now the extortion that's going on too, right? I mean, everybody yeah. wants to blame the the guy in this one. And again, we're not saying one side or the other which way is true or not, but you know, everybody wants to blame the guy when something like that happens with these hardline domestic violence approaches. You know, it's not unreasonable. She, according to Cook's attorney, has a history of violence. So yeah. is it not unreasonable to know that she didn't expect other girls to be there, for example? I'm assuming that's what they mean by house guest and went off yeah. a rocker. You know, is it, you know, is it a situation where she showed up and he was mad she showed up because there are other people there and it escalated from there? I mean, we don't know. We're not yeah. going to know and for a little bit. And you're, what all you're going to see is what leaks. And what's leaking from her side with the pictures and stuff, that's what you'd want to leak if you're trying to paint it as the other side of it didn't happen. I mean, it's the aftermath, right? And exactly. his attorney even said, look, there was a cut on her nose. That's what you see in the aftermath is a cut on her nose. The pictures weren't cleaned up or anything. There's not swelling. There's not black eyes. It doesn't look like she'd been beaten. So, I don't know. Yeah, no. I'm not a doctor. We'll see what happens. Fantasy implications of this are, are this, right? Everybody's going to run at Alexander Madison, just in case. Everybody already has Alexander Madison. That was a handcuff. Kinei uh, is the other name to know here. Uh, he is the Amir Abdullah replacement. Hyper-athletic, was never healthy in college, so no productivity. Ran back a kickoff last week. He's a guy that if for any reason Cook were to be disciplined or miss time, um, could also get a a look, especially in some of the receiving work in the receiving game. He got kind of lost, you know, with him coming from Iowa City, he got kind of lost behind the David Montgomery train. Obviously, he was a freshman in 16. He came out of the rest. He's, a, he, he's an older prospect, but he was hurt a lot, too. He was hurt. And clearly, this is a, I mean, these are the type of players in Dynasty you want to take a shot on. He's hyper athletic. Yeah, ninety first percentile spark score four three seven forty. Uh, he's six foot two ten. I mean, he's got yeah, relatively decent size. Obviously, we, you'll never expect him to be anything more than than the hype he's getting now. But if things are, if things are to escalate with Cook, and we start to find out more details and he does somehow find his way onto the exemplus or he gets disciplined or this is a fast He's track and he like rugs. Yeah. Yeah. By all means. Yeah. He's the one that's available, but yeah, look at his player profiler page guys. Hyper athletic. He's got the size you want. Had he been productive in college, this dude would have been a first round pick. Instead, he was hurt most of the time. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Odell Beckham, officially passed through waivers, forced his way out of Cleveland. Um, so a list of teams that are rumored right now for Odell. Packers. Yep. Saints. Yep. Patriots. Yep. Um, Seahawks are rumored as a dark horse. Yep. Um, but the most smoke... Has really been around Packers, Saints, Patriots, uh, and it keeps going back and forth. Like we've seen reports of it's going to be New England, then we saw some support. You know, some reports come out now it's the Saints. 
Uh, Devontae Adams has made his pitch. He obviously wants Odell there. But Green Bay can't really pay him more than veteran minimum. They should have more than that. Well, they said because they haven't extended Adams yet, but that doesn't make sense to me because I don't think Adams has any intention of signing an extension. Right. (laughs) Aaron, they got, what, six mil right now? I mean, the team that can't ultimately sign him might be difficult to sign him are the Saints. Right now, 1.5 in their salary. Raiders were a team that was of rumored. They're at, they're at negative right now. Now, a lot of these teams oh. can restructure deals and actually... I'm, I'm looking at the wrong year. Chiefs, right here. Chiefs are also in on him, too, apparently. Chiefs, Packers, Seahawks, Patriots. Yeah. Saints. It just depends how it, it's going to fall into the what uh, what teams are willing to throw after Odell for the rest of this year. So where do you want to see him land from a uh, fantasy standpoint? Uh, Green Bay would be my number one choice for a short term for just uh, this season. It'd be the best quarterback he gets to play with. He gets a very comfortable role playing alongside Adams. Obviously, he'd be the two there. But I think I be situated you know some have you know suggested it's uh it'd be what one of the best spots that he could go to yeah uh i think green bay but if he goes to green bay or kc you're looking at a wide receiver too if you want a true one he's going to go to new england but it's going to be low volume for the saints We'd also expect low volume. I think the Saints are probably near the top of my list from a fantasy perspective because they have literally nobody else, so we should get all of the pa- all of the receiving game work. Um, opposite Camara, we saw we've seen them support in that offense, even with Taysom Hill support Michael Thomas a little bit in the eight to ten target range. Um, he wouldn't have to compete with anybody for targets there. Um, the flip side of that, you know, the Chiefs, I think he would complement Tyreek Hill pretty well. Um, Devontae Adams, though, I mean, look, the Packers have the are, are probably going to be the highest volume offense, passing offense here. Um, you think that they're one of the slower pace offense. It's been very weird this year. They're one of the slowest pace. They're 22nd in passing plays per game. Really? Where are the yeah, Chiefs they're at? they're in the bottom half. The Chiefs are probably going to be higher, but just given the struggles that they have, I wouldn't be shocked if they're no matching options with Mahomes. <laughs> Stupid player. All right, hold on. Yeah. The it, number two, uh, okay. 42.2. The Chiefs, from a volume standpoint, would be the best spot, and we get to kind of see how that role may... That role may actually play out because Tyree Kill isn't your traditional one. No, he's not. He's a gadget player in the perfect offense. Yeah, Beckham can be, and we've talked about how the Chiefs are too one-dimensional, and I think out of those teams, they have the most incentive to sign him. The Saints competing right now as a bonus. They weren't weren't supposed to. Um, The Chiefs, though, they got to try to right the ship. And we talked a lot on this show about how They've been doing a lot with very little for a couple years, and it's kind of catching up to them. Well, when you lose, I mean, as much as we joked about the the Sammy Watkins era, I mean, he he did a lot more than what the production stated. I mean, once he left, I mean, look at the struggles they're facing now. 
No other receiver can step up into that role. Watkins may not have been able to stay healthy, but when he was, I mean, that's an extra trusted receiver on the field that defense has to account for. Defenses don't give a fuck about Demarcus Robinson or me, Colt Harmon or any other fucking, you know, Josh Gordon now is completely washed, which again, don't want to hash that back up, but I mean, Beckham would provide Mahomes, A, the best receiving core he's had, might be the best receiving core he's going to have because the Chiefs draft poorly. And this would ultimately save the Chiefs from another bad draft class by being able to right the ship in a wide open AFC West. They haven't ran away with it. The Chargers haven't ran away with it. And the Raiders are hanging tight. So is Denver up to heel. So it's. This feels like a Chiefs move. It's about money, right? You know, Chiefs about 2.5. Saints are about 1.5. The Packers got about six. So they can offer the most in a one-year deal. It's just, does Mahomes or does Beckham want to go to a top five offense, and a top five passing volume? And what does it change for the Packers if they bring in Beckham? Are they going to now try to, you know, be more up tempo, up pace, right? Does Beckham want to go somewhere where he's not the guy? That too. I mean, it's because it, it, he was on a winning team, right? So we know he doesn't. Yeah. Well, not a winning team, but a team that was competing. So does he care that much about a team being able to compete, or does he care that much about being the guy and being part of that? Or you know, he wanted the tandem with Landry that didn't pan out, but. Does he care about being the guy, or will he go somewhere and be it? Is he okay with sharing with Tyreek Hill or playing second fiddle to Devontae Adams? I got to imagine, no. I got to imagine the first thing on its mind is, hey, let's try to revive my career. And that's where the Patriots and the Saints are going to be attractive. I mean, he could there. I would much rather pick the Patriots than the Saints. The Saints also have Sean Payton. They offer him. I think one of the better long-term outlooks. He has to endure this year. He has to endure, um, you know, whichever Simeon or Taysom Hill's inability to be efficient with their passes. The same way he bitched about Baker, he's going to get even worse with those two. But now he gets to play with Sean Payton, maybe gets Winston next year. So there's a lot of intrigue, I think, from a career outlook if he decides to resign with New Orleans and being able to play with one of the best offensive minds we've had in the last 20 years. He'd be the guy this year. He, he would definitely be the guy. And we know that Michael Thomas's career is probably done in New Orleans, so you don't have to worry about Michael Thomas. Right. Not this year because he's done for the year, and probably not beyond because I don't see all the Saints bringing him back. Well, he and he'd be, he'd be the guy in New England too, right? Because we know Jacoby yeah. Myers is more of, is a better ancillary piece than he is as a one. So, I mean, that'd be great for Mac Jones. Again, a lower-volume offense. But he's got what was a hyper-efficient quarterback in college. Been and what has shown that same... Pretty efficient this year, too. Yeah, he's been he's been great. And you get a guy like Beckham that can, you know, Belichick respects highly. You know, I, I think the Patriots, and then from a money standpoint, New England's at uh, 7 mil. Obviously, he's not going to reach that much. Like, I don't see the Packers or the Patriots offering upwards of that amount. Ooh. Which is why I think the Saints and the you know the Chiefs are still very much in play because Beckham's going to probably take it. He'll want a, a a true prove it deal. I'll take low money, but I just want to be on the right team for it. Sure. So we can get paid next year. 
Yeah, well, more of a breakdown with that when he signs, but just some outlooks just in in case it happens. I think if it's the Packers or the Chiefs, he's uh, an insta go get him. I mean, he's probably rostered somewhere, but should be an insta go get him. Seattle feels like the last place he should. <laughs> no, yeah, with, lo- with go Lockett, to low ma- volume and a lot of uh, and a lot of mouths for that offense. A lot of people there to take targets away. They'd be more consolidated, but they don't throw enough. Yep. All right, let's get into some of the other stuff that's going on around the league. Chase Claypool expected to be week to week with a foot injury. Uh, Pat Fryermuth probably going to benefit the most volume-wise from that. They're already down Juju. Should see James Washington on the field some more with this. Uh, but Fryermuth is kind of been coming on the last couple weeks. Looking at him as kind of being a, a next guy up. But James Washington's the other guy to grab as they're, they're down here a bit. It feels so good from they they get a class that a guy like Firemuth gets lost because of pits. But we oftentimes have to endure the rookie tight end struggles in fantasy. And we get two that are blossoming. I mean Pitts no one's shocked by because of the historic profile he put together. But Firemuth on a low volume Pittsburgh offense playing the Heath Miller role and Big Ben's last ride or two. Yeah. I mean, it it feels good, and you know, I think in most other years, he would have been the top tight end prospect, hyper productive for Penn State. He would have been up there. He's a lot like Colcomet to me, where he would have been kind of in that. I think he's more athletic range. than Colcomet too. Now you I think got, he is. Now you got me um, wanting to look that up. I'm I, I'm on player profiler. I'm gonna look it up too. But well, okay, yeah. Cool Komet's not bad. No. I mean, you know, best comparable for Fire with Hunter Henry. Not a bad uh not a bad person to be compared to. Not a bad with. peer. Yeah. Not a bad one to have a profile compared to. But hyper efficient. I mean, obviously driven more by touchdown volume is yeah. still a low volume offense, but Komet's Komet appears to be a little more athletic. Yeah, yeah. I thought he I thought he tested. I mean he hits the he hits the the marks you want to hit. But he didn't obviously test it at all. He just did the 40, it looks like. Yeah. Anyway. So. Um, moving on from that, Josh Reynolds was claimed by the Lions. There's something to pay attention to. I forgot he asked for his way out. I <laughs> forgot that happened as well. Um, but that's something to pay attention to. He's back with jo- with Jared Goff. He's easily the most talented receiver there. Which. Yeah. Low bar, but St. Brown hasn't really panned out the way that we had hoped he would. Um, Khalif Raymond, we know ain't it. Josh Reynolds landing there. Look, he's going to have a chance to show something. They're I mean, down he, I mean he asked for it, and he wants to have a chance to show that he still has it and that he was worth the draft capital spent on him. Yeah, I think you got to watch him as a potential guy that goes wide receiver two, wide receiver three, preemptive ad if you're desperate in the wide receiver position. Um, he's definitely a guy you want to pay attention to there. It, it's You don't see a mid-season release and say they landed well, but a mid-season release landing in Detroit with a quarterback he already has chemistry with, not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it, and it only helps the offense. I mean, I know you can say, well, it's going to take away target volume from Hawk. No, it's going to help. It's going to help. help. It's going to help the offense overall be, be able to sustain drives. It's ultimately what we want from our playmaker is, is on teams that don't go three and out or punt all the time. So, yeah. Helen Robinson. 
Yeah. Uh, Sammy Watkins, <laughs> full participant in practice on Wednesday, expected to play in week 10. We'll get to see the Ravens with their full complement of weapons for the first time. On Thursday, I love it. It's against Miami. Short week, so we'll see how much Watkins actually runs this week. But I like the fact that in 10 days to in week 11, hopefully you know everything goes smooth for Watkins this Thursday and we get to see Watkins, Bateman, Brown, you know, with Lamar and Mark Andrews and the true cast of Misfit Toys at running back that they have there. Hey, speaking of Misfit Toys, Devonta Freeman's looked not bad. You got to pick him up. I mean, he's... Oh, I, I have him. I'm starting him. A couple yeah, places. Yeah, him. I mean, he's been good. You got, you know, Jordan Howard for the Eagles. If he's going to command the opportunity share he's getting right now, even in that offense, he's you got to add him. You know, Benjamin. Yeah, with uh, Chase with Edmonds, H. Chase weeks. Edmonds out. Benjamin's look good, and James Conner isn't going to get the passing work, so he's an add. You got to add J.J. Taylor and Brandon Bolden right now because Stevenson and Damian Harris are both in concussion protocol. Oof! And look, I won from the jaws of defeat last year, last week with Mark Ingram and Jordan Howard. <laughs> Zero RB is alive and well at the moment. Uh, it's been, it's been. Uh... It's been rough. It's been like zero every position. The top quarterbacks in fantasy this year are struggling. The top running backs can't stay healthy. The top receivers, I think, have been kind of up and down, and then maybe not to their own degree. Tight ends have been, I mean, Waller and Kelsey and Kittle have been, I mean, Kelsey not so much, but Waller has kind of been a bit disappointed, and Kittle's been hurt. Zero everything. Don't draft a player till the tenth round. <laughs> Just hold off and on it. Fuck all. it. Hold off on it. Just all hold all your pick because you don't need them because they're all gonna get fucking hurt anyways. Bunch of people limited. Noah Fan activated off reserve COVID list. He'll be back. So cut your Albertos. Um. Uh, Eric Ebron's practicing. Running through a few more things here. You already mentioned Chase Edmonds. He's gonna miss this week. So. Uh, Four to six is on IR as we speak. So we'll pick up, you know, Benjamin Cotter, his history of not being able to to hold upright with any increased volume should, uh, you know, Benjamin, the perfect collective, a preemptive ad. Kicker news, because we spent the whole intro talking about defenses. Let's get some kicker news in here. Yes, let's do it. Cowboys sign kicker Larim Hadrulu. How Hadrulahu? Had, sounds like Hadrulahu. Larim Hadrulahu. <laughs> Bless you. The kicker for the Cowboys this week. Um, Great. Camara's day to day with the knee injury could miss Week Ten against the Titans. Be prepared for that. Mark Ingram. Uh, would be the guy if Kamara can't go. So pay attention to that one. Mark Ingram, we talked about it a few weeks ago. He's on a terrible Texans blocking offensive line, was near the top of the league in yards after contact and avoiding contact. So, uh, you know, Mark Ingram, the efficiency numbers pointed to productive. We've seen him be much better on the limited touches that he's gotten in New Orleans. So I'm... I, I'm saying Ingram's a running back, too, with upside easy if Kamara can't go. Yeah, you may see a little more Ty Montgomery 
in that Camara role, it, it, you know, if Camara is to miss time, but this should be Ingram's offense. And then when you have, you know, Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon at your quarterback, a low volume offense, you're going to see an uptick in his production. And we know that Ingram in uh, short spurts can handle these larger workloads. Yeah. And be, you know, decently efficient with them as we saw even with Houston this year he's been he's been able to rack up yardage done in some gross ways but so you know get you those extra ones just saying the uh the efficiency numbers are good for Ingram so yeah yep if you got efficiency you need volume or a line that can block for those efficiency numbers to mean more <laughs> uh Sam Darnold four to six weeks gonna be placed on IR uh PJ Walker will start oof rough not uh the uh the downward trend of darnold the the, to now hitting rock bottom and getting yelled at by robbie anderson on the sideline is uh experiment looks a bit over even though they're unhooked for him next year for what like 19 million yeah it's uh not pretty and well walker's got some rushing upside to him it's not like he's there's a lot of excitement there. It's going to be kind of gross in Carolina outside of, you know, probably CMC as he's getting healthier. Hopkins and Murray still not practicing. We'll have an update on them on Sunday. Colt McCoy looked fine. Clyde's off of IR, so expect him to. Ooh, good to know. Yeah. You may see, uh, obviously, no more Derek Gore. Darrell, Anderson, or Darrell Williams is still going to have a role. But expect Clyde, uh, you know, to be back to, uh, I'm assuming, his normal work week, one of his normal work weeks. Uh, Chris Carson uh, off of, uh, not, sorry, designated to return, not off of IR yet. They're going to watch him throughout the week. He could be starting for Seattle. Yep. Yep. So. Misread. Might be. So a couple backs potentially coming back as things start to get healthy there. Uh, Logan Thomas still sore, so you're still rolling NASCAR there. And I think that's probably be, about it. Brown isn't looked. It's AJ or AJ Brown. Antonio Brown probably not going to play this week. Did shut the boot though. Practicing. Yeah, did shut the boot. So probably next week. Uh, Tyler Johnson, for those in need of uh, a wide receiver flex play. Just stepping as that wide receiver three nicely. Especially if Godwin can't go either. If, it, if, it's, it's, if, it, if his foot problems, I'll yeah. keep him out this week. So, Yep. Sunday's going to be interesting. Be prepared to scramble. Matt Barkley signed by the Panthers. We're going to scramble just like Matt Barkley. God, Matt Barkley, is he going to find a way to start this year? Oh, boy. <laughs> he probably will. Oh, my God. Uh, speaking of starting, Mike White is starting this week again after. Yes. So I love how everybody's excited to about Mike White. And here we everybody are. Everybody already been known. Everybody was so disappointed when he got hurt after that first drive, too. God, I mean, he went down there and scored. I mean, Elijah Moore breakout, first off. Yay. And Mike White. I mean, even Josh Johnson. Yeah. I mean, how? I mean, I mean. But you know, Pulls are up by a bunch but of points. But Josh, Josh Johnson. Johnson, old and busted. Mike White, new hotness. New and busted. Looks a little bit better for Zach Wilson once he gets uh once he gets himself healthy as uh watching these two other guys, these two 
one super journeyman and one soon to be journeyman be able to be effective in this offense. It doesn't look too grim for Wilson if these guys can you know, yeah. can be this productive. So don't 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 give up on him just yet. Speaking of things to not give up on yet, the Bills at Jags Bills game. Yes, you have stories. You were there. I was there. You were there. Uh, the place was 90% Bills fans. And they all left disappointed. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. I bet it was. I mean, the flight home out of Jacksonville was 90% Bills fans. I mean, they were everywhere. They travel well. Um, it's also Jacksonville where no one wants... Where- it's hard to root for that franchise long term. Yeah. There's it, so much up and down they go through. It is. Um Bills were under siege the whole time. Jacksonville's defense really got the job done, but I mean Josh Allen not bailed out by his receivers a whole lot there either. There were drops that shouldn't have happened. But I mean he was just he was under fire by a lot. And Trevor Lawrence, the problem with him, he has nobody. There are drops all over the place on that Jacksonville team. Yes, he's was, uh... fine. There was nowhere to throw. There's nobody that could bail him out of anything. Maybe they should go pick up Odell. <laughs> Let Lawrence see what a true number one receiver looks like. I'm kidding, but, but Josh Allen. Josh Allen was not the best Josh Allen that day. He was not the best Josh Allen that day. <sighs> Had to get one in there. No, it was deserved. Just one. We're gonna just just one. We got enough of them on Sunday. Yeah, the picks were just bad, one. and yeah, look... when Cole Beasley has seven catches for twenty eight yards, and he's your leading receiver. And it was all Beasley too. I mean, yeah, they were the swarming. Fact only twenty eight yards. And seven they were under off. pressure. I thought Diggs at the end was gonna take that game over, and it just never yeah. happened. No, Jacksonville's defense did its job. It did. Pass rush really did its job, though. That's. That's what disrupted yeah. all of it. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee Bills are fine. They get the Jets. It'll be great. Yeah. Tennessee's running backs without Derrick Henry. We got our first look at that. Uh, defense really bailed them out against the Rams. But uh, the running back game, that's what everybody was watching. Deonta Foreman, who I didn't realize was there, was involved. Yep. Um, yep. Second rushing attempts. Or third. He was third. Uh, but all, I mean, relatively even. He actually led them in rush yards, third in rush attempts, but nobody had more than 10. Um, so three backs are splitting the work there. Obviously, Foreman not involved in the passing game. All of that work went to McNichols. So McNichols, 10 total touches. Uh, Peterson, 11. Foreman had five. Um, snap counts were the same, but I think everybody was double digits. So... Going to have to pay attention to that one going forward. At this point, I would recommend you roster all three guys. Foreman was talented. The Achilles injury was kind of his undoing. He, you know, we'll see. He's a guy that we liked. He does fit the Derrick Henry mold a little bit. There's a big bruiser between the tackles. We'll see how Adrian Peterson comes along. Jeremy McNichols obviously should still get the receiving work. We like that as a McNichols game because we expected the Titans to be playing from behind. That never materialized. The Rams were out of sorts. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say you can like you you should throw this game away, but in a game that was so lopsided that we were able to see all three backs. I mean, McNichols is the one that I expect to have the consistent production, at least the opportunity. Maybe not the production, but the consistent opportunity. Peterson's touchdown late in that game saved that day. 
I'm excited for Foreman, but one of Foreman or or Peterson is going to lose out on snaps to McNichols if if this if this Tennessee team starts off slow or or, or gets behind. So unfortunately, I'm going to lean towards that lean towards the Freeman side for that way. Um, not to say you shouldn't pick him up. I I, I am not as excited to, but. No, it's not exciting for yeah. any of them, in my opinion. I, I, I mean, McNichols, 26 snaps. Uh, Peterson at 19, Foreman at 12. So uh, All double digits. Yes, as you were right, I'm just going to read it off the stats. I, I don't know when set snaps were got for these players. I'm still really only... So I only watched by, the first half, McNichols. and Foreman was mixing in. But okay. they had also already kind of had a lead. Uh, well, they were up. Uh, they, they were, were up, up very early. early. Yeah, yeah it, it was not much of a contest. As... But it wasn't all gar. It wasn't all end of game garbage time for him either. He was mixing. No, in early. it was not. Yep. Um. So just something to look out for, like as you said. Yeah, it's a thing to watch, right? If Peterson can't, he was not a fit. He looked... it was not efficient. He had two point one no... yards per carry. If he can't get it going, then and Foreman continues to, you know, you're gonna see they're gonna put the best guy on the field as the team that wants to run the football. Maybe they'll cut him and they'll just run McNichols and Foreman. McNichols has value, um, obviously, as a receiving back. So I agree with you. McNichols is the most valuable of the three backs right now. Yeah. But the other two. One I'm most intrigued by. I'm not really. I'm not. I'm waiting to see how the Peterson. If you're looking for lottery tickets, look at the other two. Yeah. Because you're not going to get McNichols. Foreman, you can actually pick up right now, too. So he's really the only one worth talking about because the other two should be on a roster someplace. Yeah, and I doubt that Foreman even got picked up through this as people are going to – they were also box score scouting. They're going to just overlook the stats and just maybe think that Foreman got in late. So it's uh, – Foreman's probably still available. He's he lowering their, their waivers, but it's probably still available now. So Yeah. All right. Um, we had a rarity this week. We did. George Kittle, Deba Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk were all on the field together. And they all produced. They were all productive. In a game when they only scored 17 points. Yep. <laughs> they were all productive. Kittle, eight targets. Samuel, nine targets. Ayuk, eight targets. Uh, Kittle and Ayuk had touchdowns. Everybody over 60 yards. Everyone was productive. Just a note, because we've always talked about what happens when they're all on the field together. Apparently, the answer for what happens when they're all on the field together is they produce and still lose to the Cardinals by 14 points. I mean, at one point, they were down 31 to 7. Jimmy G sold through 40 passes, which is something that he doesn't he doesn't normally throw this much. You don't want him to. No. So while we're all glad that all three were able to find production, we know where the targets are going to go to moving forward. You're going to probably expect to see five to ten less passes most games. Maybe even more than that. Maybe it's along the lines of seven, eight to fifteen. And it's, it might be gross. It might be a full-on committee. It should be Debo every week, but Debo's got the most after the catch value. He does. But as we saw, and even in glimpses, all three of these all three of these playmakers are great after the catch. They are. All of them all. They're all big. They're all fast. And they and they they excel after the catch. 
Yeah. If all three are healthy in a lowest volume offense, you better fucking hope Niners are constantly down double digits. Yeah. Ayuk and Kittle did lose fumbles too. They did. It was uh it's a great game all around for the Niners who are in a dumpster fire world of hate and hatred. Uh their grossness. Yeah, they're kind of just a total damn dumpster fire. I mean it, 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 it at some point as we all wish that Trey Lance just can just take the field, get back healthy. This Garoppolo experiment's over with, just get it over with and I think it was, this whole might have been more on the defense and the fact that I know, the I know. lost the fumbles I just, than it was Garoppolo. Garoppolo was fine. He was fine. I'm just more or less don't want to see Garoppolo anymore. <laughs> I want to see what Trey Lance does. Well, it wasn't pretty. The one game he did start, so. True. But. All right. Um, halfway point. Beer review. All right, you're drinking the Thundertaker. Thundertaker is an imperial rye-styled Asian bourbon barrels from Revolution. 14.5%. Get strong hints of milk chocolate, dark fruit. I get subtle hints of dark fruit. More along the, you know, uh, a cherry standpoint there. A little bit of raspberry. Obviously, with the dark chocolate and the milk chocolate very much taking over, this is a Incredibly amazing, boozy, in your face, you know, pretty thick stout. I mean, this is what we want for this time of year as it starts to cool down more and more. We're expected to get snow on Sunday. Wet snow, probably not going to stick, but snow nonetheless, potentially here in the great state of Illinois. So, if you, you know, like I said earlier in the show, if you, if you get a chance to find this beer, or at least to find the Deep Wood series from Revolution, do yourself a favor and go out and buy it if you haven't yet, especially if you enjoy, you know, the barrel aged stouts. Their entire program from the Deep, you know, from Death Star and Ryway to Heaven and Thundertaker to Straight Jacket, which is their barley wine, you need to pick it up. It's all very good. Sorry, taking some notes here, so I don't have to do it as I'm drinking. All right. Okay, I have the Davis County French Oak finished. Uh, 96 proof. Uh, so Davis County, again, made by Luxrow. So there's the guys that do Ezra Brooks, Rebel Yell, uh, and Blood Oath primarily. Um, they, St. Louis owned, but they're still in Kentucky. Davis County is their finished series. So right now, I believe there's four bottles in this series. There's, I think it might be five now. Um, and this is a French oak finished. So French oak to the most highly regarded of the grouping. Uh, these run about 35 to 50 bucks on the nose of this one. Get a lot of milk, chocolate and confectioner sugar. It's very desserty. Um, and it, that carries to the front. The front end of it is a lot of caramel, cream brulee, um, some, some gooeyness. So a lot of sweet notes on the nose, a lot of, Sweet notes as it comes through the pal- palate at the beginning. Very, very sweet up front. From there, it starts to balance out a little bit. You do get some butterscotch and cinnamon before it rolls into a nice kind of like a peppery finish with a bit of a um, little bit of a hug there. So I don't know what just happened. Oh, what'd you do? 
I had a key and it said I visited an illegal infected website. So spammy shit. Anyway. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. This is all. Yeah. This is how we all died. Yeah. Either way. Uh, overall, this is incredible poor. Uh, it, it's one of my favorites. My wife's gotten into it. She really enjoys it. 96 proof. It's easy to drink and a lot of sweet notes up front. Um, but it balances out nicely as it comes through it and really goes into more of a, a kind of a, a spicy but not dry type of finish. So, hmm. um, very, very good, very good balance to this, uh, and a hell of a bargain. Sounds delicious. Is delicious. Very delicious. All right. Week 10. Week 10. Oh, yeah, it's my turn. It's your turn. I'm up the bat. All right. Let's go to Thursday night football. Baltimore at Miami. Baltimore is seven and a half point favorites on the road. A 46 and a half game total. And I'm totally not prepared with the pick them in here. Um, Look, Baltimore is going to get their full complement of receivers back. This is a winnable matchup. They haven't looked pretty at times. This is a team. Baltimore is a team that's been struggling to put it all together for the entirety of a game. Collins coming back by double-digit points. When you get a spread this high, especially on the road, this ultimately feels like a Miami should cover this seven and a half points. Um, consensus really likes Baltimore to be able to cover this week. Uh, it's against the spread standpoint. Baltimore is just three and five. Um, over under, I don't like game total is a bit high for Miami offense that may or may not have two of this week. You know, percent looked okay at times, but this Baltimore defense isn't as elite as it used to be. But in a short week, um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to take Miami and be giving seven and a half points. I think this is a closer game than people want it to be. All right. On the fantasy side of this one, we talked about Devonta Freeman earlier being a league winner. He absolutely is in this one. Miami um, has been okay against the running back. Actually pretty good over the last three weeks, but the leading uh, guys in PPR those last three weeks were Keith Smith and then Zach Moss into double digits and David Johnson. So not exactly the who's who. Before that, they give up great fantasy weeks to James Robinson, Leonard Fournette, Jonathan Taylor, Peyton Barber. Zach Moss again, and Damian Harris. So very beatable on the ground, especially if you expect game script to go the way that it goes. Good part about Devonta Freeman giving the majority of the work, especially with Latavius Murray out. It's pretty much game script proof because he is the pass catcher as well. So um, especially in full PPR leagues, very on Devonta Freeman for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Rashad Bateman is a guy that I like this week as well. Um you're going to have Sammy Watkins back, though, so you got to be wary of how that target volume is going to spread out. Bateman has been uh, up there with Marquise Brown as far as in the target share. Um, I think that both guys are very startable this week. I don't want to fade either of them just yet, uh, but if you do have a better option than at least Bateman, I would go ahead and, and potentially plug that in and wait and see how this shakes out as him and Watkins do play similar roles. Um, on the Miami side, Jalen Waddle has been their highest target getter. We'll watch the the uh the status of of Tua throughout the week as he's perpetually hurt. Uh, Mike Kosecki has been very usable. I would shy away from Miles Gaskin this week. Um, just enough better options out there to where you should not have to start him. He's been very very hit or miss. And you know outside of a big play to Samaj P Ryan, 
Uh, last couple weeks, Baltimore has not given up a ton. Really, the only person that's gotten to them is Jonathan Taylor and then a little bit of DeAndre Swift. Everything else has been pretty locked down, so I don't want to trust Miles Gaskin in that matchup. One quick note before we move on. Baltimore, has fa- it's been favored by six or more points in four games this year. They're 0-4 in those four games. Moving on, Jacksonville at the Colts. Colts are favored by 10.5 points. 47 is the over-under. Colts are on a hot streak. This offense has been producing a lot as of late. Colts have been favored by 10 or more points twice this year. They're 2-0 in both against the Jets and against Houston. Jacksonville coming off the high of high wins that they were able to do against the Bills and Josh Allen at home. Or this time they're on the road. You know, I, you know, we both don't like 10 point, you know, favorites. You know, the spreads get to this high, a lot can happen that could change. Hate them. Happened to Buffalo. But this feels like a game. The Colts are, 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 are hitting their stride at the perfect time. I like the Colts at 10 and a half. Again, game total, you really have to hope that Jacksonville can hold their own. The Colts can definitely score enough to get there. They probably don't need to. So I'd probably lean under and then take the Colts to cover 10 and a half. Yeah. Um, on the other side of this for fantasy football, Dan Arnold's been the most consistent fantasy option for the Jaguars outside of James Robinson. James Robinson still dealing with the heel injury. Check in with him on Sunday. Nobody else really getting enough volume or enough work to, uh, to, to lean on Chenault just four targets last week against Buffalo in a game that was never really. I mean, they won, but it was a 6-9 score. It was never a blowout by any means. Um, so not really a whole lot going on, on on the Jacksonville side that I like. Dan Arnold really only because he's been consistent in the state of the tight ends. Um, on the flip side of this for the Colts, uh, Michael Pittman's taken over as the one there. Jonathan Taylor's been on a tear, and Carson Wentz has a good matchup. Uh, Jaguars lying 20-plus points a game in this one. So uh, that's... Pretty much your chalk dick on on Indy. Yeah, there you go. Browns at the Patriots. Patriots are favored by one and a half at home. Forty five even is the game total. Look, this is a this is pr- almost purely a pickem spread. If Cleveland was at home, this would probably be about a three to four and a half favorites. Uh, Patriots are three and zero against the spread over the last three games. They've covered the last two games when they've been fi- when they've been favored. I like Cleveland in this game, though. I like what I saw from them last week, and it, and while there's a lot more issues, and it was just with Odell and a Baker's going to have to uh, uh, prove he can be consistently this good again without now the distraction of Odell. I just don't like Mac Jones at this point. Fucking dirty ass player. Fuck him. Do you see what he did to Brent Burns? Or not Brent Burns, hockey player. Brian Burns? So I did, but I also buy that since there was a fumble on that play that he was under the impression that he had the ball. Or could have had the ball. There's also something dating back to high school with him, though, too. Oh, God. So I don't really know what the... (laughs) I don't really know what the beef is there. Between those two? Yeah. Oh no shit! Damn. Yeah, so I don't really know. What, back. So I don't really know what the beef is there, um, but the explanation that Belichick gave was that there was a fumble on the play, and he thinks that Mac Jones thought that Burns had the football. I think it was more so the rolling 
after grabbing the ankle. I tried to leg lace deliberately. Him. He looked like he deliberately tried to hurt him. Either way, that's not an actual, you know, real analysis how I feel about the bets of this game. I didn't I like, like Mac Jones anyway, so it doesn't hurt my image of him. I, I know exactly. I do like Cleveland. I do like the new look of him. Uh, you do got to watch out for Nick Chubb, though. If Chubb, I believe, is in COVID protocol, if he's he not able to make it. I think he is vaccinated, so there's a chance. If he has back-to-back days negative, he is. Fine. So there's a chance he plays. Um, if he plays, then I do like Cleveland. If he doesn't, um, I expect this line to move up at that point. Ernest um, Johnson. The Ernest Johnson and uh, Demetric Felton. Yeah. Um, They'd be your plug-ins. Chubb plays. I like Cleveland. Chubb does not play. I'll take the Patriots in the points. Yeah, it's really hard to like anything from Cleveland in the passing game. You can like Peoples Jones if you want to, but you know they're not getting it done on any form of volume. And the problem with not having volume in fantasy is that it's really, really hard to buy into anything, really. So. Um, for Cleveland, it's whoever's starting at running back for me. It's either Dearness Johnson or or Nick Chubb, and you know it's a team that stays competitive, but it's a team that, without anything consistent going on in the receiving game, is a little hard for me to get behind. So that's all I got on them. As far as the Patriots go, um, you know Harrison Stevenson or. In- concussion protocol we don't know who's going to play uh we don't know who's going to start there what we do know is that you can score on the ground against cleveland it's not impossible to do dual threat backs do tend to do it well uh, but you can also run against them they are giving up touchdowns three in the last three weeks um so i you know i like damian harris if he goes if he doesn't goes then i'm on bolden right bolden can be a a dual threat back. I think that New England does want to run the football. As far as the receiving game goes, uh, I don't think this is a game script where I'm going to lean towards a Jacoby Myers start. Or, um, you know, you can start Hunter Henry. He's kind of been getting the better of the two tight ends, but I don't think I'm going to lean towards a Jacoby Myers start in this one, uh, given game script. I suspect this could probably be pretty low scoring. Agree. Atlanta at Dallas. Dallas is nine point favorites, 54 and a half is the game total. It's the highest on the slate. Dallas, before the game against Denver, was 7 and 0 against the spread. This is with no double digit point spreads outside of the Denver game that he just, but they just lost. I, I like this as a bounce back game for Dallas at home. I'm going to write the ship. Well, Atlantis looked better, far better than expected. I think this is where we get to see how Dallas responds after it after an embarrassment against Denver at home. I will take. I will go back to the well, because I did bet Dallas this past week, because it's hard not to bet on a team that's constantly covering and has looked this impressive. I will go back to the well for one more one more week, and I'll take, I'll take Dallas in the nine points. Okay. We're on Dallas and Hill. Pretty good. Uh, Dallas, uh, Dallas, Elena. All right, Dallas in Atlanta. Um, Dallas, you're obviously going for the running game. Michael Gallup could be back this week. Um, so you'll want to pay some 
some close attention to that and how that is going to shake out. If Gallup is back, you worry a little bit about how he and Dalton Schultz will shake out. Would not necessarily you would sprint to start Michael Gallup. Um, you know, you're fine with the Dallas running game. You're fine with Dak Prescott. They did underdo it a bit against Denver. Um, you're fine with Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. It's really once you get behind that that I'm a little bit of a eh about. Um, Falcons are finding ways to get it done, but I mean, really, you know, Zacchaeus did it with touchdowns last week, so I'm not running out for, for wide receivers there. So for them, really just looking Pitts and Patterson in this one. Love it. Not a lot there. Not a lot there. I mean, it's also a bit shock, almost on both sides. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Bills at the Jets. Bills are 13 point favorites on the road at 47 and a half points. Those are one and two when spreads are over double digit points. Jets are one and one or are two and one as uh, double digit point deficits or underdogs. Look, Mike White back, hopefully back. Love the story. Buffalo is one of the best defenses in football. Mm-hmm. They just got embarrassed out on the road at Jacksonville. This is their bounce back week. I'm taking Buffalo at the 12 points or 13, excuse me. And I'll take the 47 and a half that the game total is at. Let's fucking ride. All Doubling right. down. This is a pure double down. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side of this, this is a Zach Moss game. Uh, given how I expect the game. He's a concussion protocol. I, I don't know if there's any news on an update just yet, but just keep that in mind. Uh, is he? Yeah. I didn't think he was. Okay, they're missing practice. So, okay. If Zach Moss plays, this is a Zach Moss game. If not, it's obviously a Devin Singletary game because he'll be the healthy one. If Zach Moss goes, though, this is a Zach Moss game. I like the game script for him. I like the way that it's going to play out. Against Jacksonville, it was never a Zach Moss game. It was a Devin Singletary game. Um, So, kind of watching that one. But the Zach Moss game out of the gate. Other than that, Josh Allen, like you said, should be a bounce-back game for him. Uh, I don't want to run tertiary piece, secondary tertiary pieces out there for the Bills, um, although, you know, there's something to be said for target volume, and Cole Beasley was getting it, right? I mean, he led the team in. It was ugly, but... I believe he led the team in receiving yards last year. I think he led the team last week. I think he led the team in targets last week uh, as well. So, And he did the same the week before. So Cole Beasley is getting the volume. Um, so I guess if you're going to look at a secondary target, you go there. Uh, Stefan Diggs is the other story here, and I want to pause for a minute. Sure. Um, I guess he did have 85 yards against Jacksonville. I mean, it, it, it hasn't been pretty. I know defenses have been focusing on stopping the deep threat. They've been run, they've been running a lot of cover too, trying to prevent Josh Allen and that it's, offense from working more vertically. It's still fine though, even though it hasn't been pretty. Yeah. It's still okay. So, all right. On the flip side of this, for the New York Jets, what you're really looking at here is what happened against Cincinnati. You got Mike White coming back. Um, he's kind of a gunslinger. The Bills defense will definitely be a challenge for him. Uh, I expect them to, uh, try to play with Elijah Moore's athleticism a little bit more here, get him the ball in space, let him try to work it a bit, some short stuff to, 
to Jamison Crowder a little bit, who is seeing target volume. He's doing the normal Jamison Crowder thing. Uh, eight and nine for 84 the last time he was on the field with Mike White. But he was still high target volume again. So either one of those guys is wide receiver threes. The difference of what you're getting out of them is I think Moore has more upside. Um, but we saw Elijah Moore take off with Mike White as well. So just those are the two guys that I want from the Jets. Staying away from the running game in this one. Um, while I do think Michael Carter could definitely see some receiving work here. Again, the defense is really good. I don't believe they're going to support three, and I think you have enough running back options given some of the injuries and other players that are, are filling in to steer clear of Michael Carter, who at least has been on a on a little bit of a breakout. So, I mean, he gets back the quarterback that targeted him a shit ton, right? Josh Johnson was not the check down master. No, but he still had 87 Mike yards. Was. Yeah, so, you know, Kenny Mike White, who targeted him a shit ton, should make people feel a bit better if they have to roll Michael Carter out there. It's true. Uh, Saints at the Titans. Titans are just two and a half point favorites at home. 44 and a half is the game total. Titans look like the best team in football at this moment. Four straight wins. Somehow. The last uh, uh, four games against all playoff teams from last year. This was a team that came off of their embarrassing loss overtime against the Jets and then they have written the ship since and this is with a game out of this is with one game since the Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry injury. This is basically can the Saints defense contain this offense and can the Titans defense actually show up against a pretty meh Saints offense. I like the Titans to cover. I'm surprised they're only three points or two and a half depending on which site you use. And the game total, I think, is very juicy to bet the over on. I think this is a very favorable. Uh, this is a very, a very favorable matchup to go. I think over, and I wouldn't be surprised within the next three to four days that this total rises up to forty-five, or excuse me, uh, forty-six, forty-seven by kickoff on Sunday. So, huge fan of. Uh, Who's fan of the Titans who are riding a seven game or six game cover streak right now? Six games in a row of, of covering their spread, including all four games they were not not favored in. So Saints at or uh, Titans at home and the over. All right, on the flip side of this one for the Titans, we mentioned the three headed running back uh, duo, if you will. Jeremy McNichols is a guy that you or trio. Jeremy McNichols is the guy that you want to start. Um, the other two, I think Foreman and Peterson might be a little bit avoidable. McNichols, we know, is going to be involved in the passing game as well. Um, Adrian Peterson should get goal line work, though. So if you want to plug him in, eh, go ahead and, and plug him in. A.J. Brown will be fine in this one. Um, we have seen receivers kind of getting it done a little bit here against the the New Orleans Saints. Um, I don't believe they've had a dud since... Washington. Other than that, 15 or more points for the top wide receiver in each game, and those have truly been top wide receivers. Kenny Galladay, DK Metcalf, Chris Godwin. Uh, Zacchaeus did his with touchdowns, so we'll just ignore that. <laughs> and I think he's the slot receiver, too. Yeah. I don't even think he plays primarily outside. It's good. I mean, it's going to be fun to see who uh, who, Lat- or who Latimer primarily covers this entire game. He gets the pick between Brown or Julio, so Yep. Have fun, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be fun. Either way, good with AJ Brown. Fine with Ryan Tannehill. Um 
on the flip side of this for the Saints, look, uh, Marquez Callaway has been about the only receiver that's had any value. We'll have to see what state Kamara's in. We already talked about Ingram if Kamara can't go. Um, that's about it. They don't have a lot on offense to be excited about. Bucks at the football team. Bucks are favored by nine and a half points on the road. 51 and a half is the game total. This team met up in January last year. It went, I believe the score went under, and we got to see the birth of the Taylor Heineke hype, which has very much cooled down since. Look, Bucks have not been great against the spread. They're sitting there at about three and five. Washington has only covered one game this year. They have yet to cover when they've been dogs. Tampa Bay coming off the bye week. A little bit banged up, but again, Brady, who's, again, the dude just doesn't seem to ever suck. I'll take Tampa Bay at nine and a half. And then I I don't like the game total. It's a bit high. Um, and I, 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 it's hard to trust Washington with the inconsistencies of how Heineke has been playing and just how that offense is supposed to look. So. Yeah, Tampa Bay, and maybe I'll, I may lean the under. Indeed, uh, Bucks secondary massively, massively improved since the first three games. Um, has not given up a ton, but there's always a but to this. They've also played New England, Miami, Philadelphia, Chicago, and New Orleans. So, um, Terry McLaurin probably going to be the biggest challenge that they've faced in in quite some time here, as far as wide receivers go. It's been a little soft from a a wide receiver schedule for them. Um, Taylor Heineke will probably be under siege. Ricky Seals Jones has been very, very startable without Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas will miss again. Um, and, you know, Antonio Gibson, yeah, maybe not. The Bucks have been really good against the run all season. And he's also been having a is struggle it, coming back from his, I believe it's a, it's a, a shin. injury. Shin. shin. Shin injury that he's struggling to be able to come back from. So, yeah, who knows if he even plays. It is a McKissick it game. It is a McKissick though. game. That's what I was going to say. We have J.D. McKissick games. This is a J.D. McKissick game. Any game that is a negative game script for Washington is a positive game script for J.D. McKissick. This is a week that you plug in J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick. <laughs> J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick. I'm saying J.D. McKissick a lot, huh? You are saying J.D. McKissick a lot. It's great. Well, you know. It happens. Eat it. <laughs> Lions at the Steelers. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold okay. On. Well, I mean, still another pods. team. There's still another team in this one. It's Tampa Bay. It's we know. Well, you've got Godwin dealing with the heel injury as well. Without Brown, there. You already mentioned Tyler Johnson as a good start. Keep an eye on that one. We'll have more on Godwin on Sunday. That's it. That's all I was gonna say. Now we have a a listener question. Okay. The geek. The geek. Welcome to the show. Thank you for jumping in. I don't know if I've seen your name pop up before. He asks, would you trade Michael Pittman and Elijah, I'm assuming Elijah Mitchell. So Eli Mitchell, I'm assuming Elijah Mitchell. It's be for Elijah. Stephon Diggs. Yeah. For Stephon Diggs, Damon Harris. No. The answer is no. Uh, Pittman has been the more productive receiver in redraft this year compared to Diggs. While Diggs has some more, you can say trusted volume, I wouldn't, even consider it more trust, I wouldn't even consider yeah. it more trusted volume at this point. I mean, Pittman, I think, is getting more volume on... I'm verifying that real quick because I just looked at Diggs earlier. 
who's getting about seven, eight targets a game. Yeah, a little bit more trusted volume there for Diggs, but Pittman's been a lot more efficient with his and has been a lot more involved in the red zone. Um, you know, touchdown wise specifically. Um, so, and Elijah Mitchell has been very, you know, 49ers are getting healthy at running back. He is not giving an inch with Jeff Wilson and Jermichael Hasty coming back. No, it's, it's his backfield until hurt. And we see Shanahan do this. Once he finds his guy, he will ride said player until the wheels fall off. And, and, and we see the, we've seen the makings of Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, uh, Carlos Hyde in this Kyle Shanahan offense with, with the Niners. It, it, this is Mitchell's backfield. Um, I get the allure wanting to try to buy digs on the low. Moving Pittman is not the correct move for that. Don't try to find a receiver that maybe, maybe, maybe like a Marquise Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Brown's going to finally have a whole receiving core of Watkins and Bateman, who's been coming on Shron. Maybe time is to move Brown away for Diggs. You also look at divisional games. If you had, that, I'm not saying you, that you have Brown. But, you you know. also look at schedule rest of season, and you look at divisional games that still, that still have to happen, and kind of like Pittman's a little bit more than Diggs. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard for me to want to move off of Pittman right yeah because I mean the best case scenario the best case scenario for this trade is it's a like for like trade you're just moving pieces to move pieces I don't that That's there's true. not a lot of right. a value difference there so I guess if you feel like really high on on Diggs personally then maybe but that's not a trade that I'm making I'd rather ride with Pittman and, and I Mitchell. mean you're expecting you're expecting the Buffalo bounce back, right? You're expecting, you know, Diggs and Allen find their second win in the second half. Allen's been fine. He hasn't been at, it hasn't been as explosive as last year. As I think defenses have figured out how they wanted to defend this offense yeah. more so than try to stop Josh Allen. But I get, I get the allure to want to trade or, or try to buy low on, on Diggs. I just, I wouldn't move Pittman in that deal. And I think Damian Harris is a very underrated back as well. I mean, he's been very, very yeah. good. He, very good here as of late. But is it is it a lot better than Mitchell? I don't. I don't think. That I think it's there's it's a lot that supports even. that. There, it's pretty close. You may want to lean to Mitchell at this point if he does become the lead dog. Mitchell's involved in the, the receiving game more than Harris is. I think is the big difference there. Yeah. All right. Great question, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Good question. Lions at Steelers. Steelers, eight and a half point favorites. 42 and a half is the over under. Look, Detroit's been off and on kind of competitive in their games this year. Not last Bears week. Bears should have won. Bears should have won definitely last week against Pittsburgh. I, 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 I joked and said that I would money line the Bears. I did. I money lined the fuck out of the Bears. And it almost should have won that fucking game. They should have won that goddamn game. Yeah. Yes. Ref's gonna ref Bears on by this week, by the way. Yes, Bears on by. So Detroit, Pittsburgh. Again, eight and a half point favorites is Pittsburgh at home. Both teams have struggled to cover against the spread. Detroit's at an even four and four. Pittsburgh, I believe, is three and five. Three and five right now. They have they have got to cover a game they've been favored in. So they're 0 and 5, 0 and 4 when favored. Look, eight and a half is a lot of points for offenses that can't score a lot of points. This is a a slower paced team that doesn't that wants to play defense. I like I do like Pittsburgh to cover here though. It's gonna be a lot of I expect Goff to be under siege most of this game. So Pittsburgh, I'll lean the under here as well. It's gonna be gross. 
Yeah, there's kind of a lot that's that's gross here about this game. Um, you start off with the fact that the Lions really don't have a lot of receiving options. Um, that DeAndre Swift is is their best player. You flip that to the fact that Pittsburgh does not give up a ton in the in the running game or really the receiving game to running backs. They're very, very good defensively at the front seven. You're looking at a DeAndre Swift floor game, and I don't want to play with anything else other than TJ Hawkinson here because he's TJ Hawkinson. I don't even like that that much. On the flip side of this, for Pittsburgh, Najee Harris is a must-start. Deontay Johnson is going to get all of the target volume. I don't expect there to be a ton. I am starting Farmuth because I have to, um, but this is not a game where I want to go out and get cute with James Washington or anything else. This is a game that Pittsburgh could win relatively handily, and if not, I still don't expect them to have to go full-blown pass-happy and pass-heavy to where you're going to see a guy like James Washington get involved with a lot of volume. So you look at this one, it's Najee Harris. Um, Big Ben's probably an okay stream. He's been all right the last couple weeks. But you're really looking at Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryer, me, it's on the, on the Steelers' side, and DeAndre Swift on the Lions' side. And even then, you know, I'm in a position where I might be able to sit him. And I've strongly considered it. I mean, you got to hope that just on volume, like mm-hmm. it, I can see the alerts. I mean, it's it's got pass be. volume alone, right? But you're you're gonna yeah. get a floor game. You're you're hoping for a hundred scrimmage yards, and if you get a touchdown, that's a bonus. That's a great week. But yeah. you're hoping for a hundred scrimmage yards. Like that's the upside of what you're hoping for. It could <laughs> be less. I get I get wanting to. I would have a Swift is at this point just an auto start, but I do get the the pause if if somehow some way you have options to pick from. I do. Here, I'll let you know what they are. Well, I mean, I know you do in Dynasty in this league, yes. No, this isn't Dynasty. More, this is a redraft league. You have a redraft league. That's even more impressive that you've survived running back injuries this much. Um. Well, it's matchups, right? Because it's also the redraft league where I lost Eric Henry. Okay. So I have Chris Carson potentially coming off of IR against Green Bay. Ew. I have Fournette against Washington. And Devonta yeah. Freeman in a plus matchup on Thursday night against Miami. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I've got Freeman yeah. and I've got Freeman yeah. and Fournette plugged in at the two running back spots. And then I'm gonna choose between Chris and Carson come or Carson and uh Swift come come Sunday. I have Ingram as well, if um for some reason Kamara can't go. I see it. I'd probably still go Swift over, at least over. I mean, it's, probably over Carson because I'm a little scared what the volume is going to be. Yeah. But if Kamara can't I mean, go, even, it's going to be hard with Ingram. I mean, even with Freeman, I mean, Freeman's, again, it's been touchdown productive. He saw his first game over 50% snap share against Minnesota. It was only 55. I mean, Le'Veon Bell was also involved. The nice thing is, is, that, is that Freeman does get the pass catching work. But it's still Lamar throwing on the football compared to check down God. The problem with I have with the problem that I have with Pittsburgh though is that in PPR, the only back to go over thirteen points is Alex Collins. You had David Montgomery at, Alex Collins? Yeah, you had David Montgomery at ten, yeah, he's off Johnson nine point nine, Jamal Williams mm-hmm. or sorry, Javonta Williams eleven six. Uh, Aaron Jones, 12-9, Mixon, 10, Drake, 10, Singletary, 11. 
And I look at Joe Mixon as the closest comp to what I can get out of DeAndre Swift. It's not very promising. I guess the better question is it's from a floor game standpoint, who's more likely to score 10 points then? Swift, Freeman, Carson, Ingram. Well, Ingram, I can definitely see if Ingram, if there's if no Kamara, doesn't go. Yes. I, I get that. Freeman, I like because I think there's going to be game script in his favor there. We hope. And even, and does he, and is he the one that gets involved in that game script? Well, Murray's hurt, so unless we, it's Lev Bell. We don't know exactly, but we, we, again, we don't actually know who gets that because they were trailing Minnesota for the entirety of the game and both running backs got works. So we, we don't know. I'm yeah. not saying don't play. I'm just, I'm just, I'm giving you your devil's advocate to it because it, it, it's, yeah, I'm going to roll Swift. Uh, Swift, we know. So I know I'm rolling with Freeman. Like, let's yeah. just, Let's just put oh, that okay. one to bed right now. I know I am. Freeman is not the back that is in question here. Okay. I okay. am starting Freeman. He is plugged in. So you're starting Freeman and Fournette for sure. I'm right? starting Freeman between. and Fournette for sure because I think Freeman has the upside in that matchup against Miami. I like that matchup. I found something I liked as I'm mixing and matching backs. We're going to leave it there. Jordan okay. Howard's not in question without Miles Sanders with the matchup in Denver. He's out. Chris Carson, I'm iffy on because of the neck injury. Sure. Mark Ingram, if Kamara doesn't go, is in play. And then DeAndre Swift. There's a very good chance it's Swift unless Kamara doesn't go. And then I got to look at what's the batter matchup. And I think that that would probably be Ingram. I get it. I do. I get it. It's a a tough one, but... I mean, look, if I'm going to give some analysis on something, I'm going to do it on the tough ones. And the tough one is that DeAndre Swift, if you got somebody that you think can score more than 10 to 12 points on that you can start over DeAndre Swift, you might want to do it this week. Not going to give that advice a whole lot, but Swift has had a couple games that have been under 10 in full PPR. Had one game, two games. Two. You're right, two games. This past week and against Chicago. Yep. I think it's the upside to of two, right? If Pittsburgh does actually get out to a lead, which I'd be shocking to, but again, if Detroit starts off slow, and it, but they're so, and, and it may look like three quarters of football, Swift may not do shit. But they're and, so and we know, good. Pittsburgh yeah, is in that front side. Well, on defense, yeah, yeah. But all it needs is you know late in the fourth quarter or just in the fourth quarter. It all it takes for Swift is one drive, essentially, to get all of his that true. I know it hates. With that, with that period, with that very specific analysis, I know it can be sure, shitty, but, but you could make the I mean, same like argument for that's all it takes with Freeman is one drive. That's all. I don't expect Freeman to always be in that play over Left Bell, and we saw that. What if Jamal Williams players, plays? I mean, he did it against San Francisco when they were both. I mean, both running backs did it against San Francisco. San Francisco's not pins. Pittsburgh on defense. I know, but they were down by double digit points throughout the majority of that game. I'm going off of the fact that. What if Pittsburgh gets up by double digit points? I'm going now off the fact at, okay. of I'm not making scenarios. I'm looking at the defense he's playing. Well, sure. I'm trying to go off of more of, of what could happen in that game, too. Especially if Jamal Williams doesn't play. I, I mean, I, I don't know how much Jamal Williams would even affect that. More uh, so that it might be you, you might just see a little bit more Jamar Jefferson. What we're doing now is we're making me more convicted in my <laughs> DeAndre fine. Swift is going to dud. This week, I feel, I feel like this needs to be. Do we need to do another shot bet? Have we even paid up? 
Who won the last shot bet? We paid up, I think. Did we? I don't remember. No, it was really bad is what it was. That's right. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I think we both sucked. It was, we were both the tickets. Technically, shot I was right. Technically, no, it he was really close. It was Marquise Brown versus... Uh, Corey Davis, and he won by like... I won by like, like four t- yards, four yards or something like that. So it was yeah. a virtual tie. I didn't feel good about that one. I felt felt like we would, we were, I think we agreed to just social that one out. That's fair. Let's do one with Freeman and Swift. We can do Freeman and Swift, or we can do just Swift in general. If you want to do Freeman and Swift, I'm fine with that too. Well, that's essentially the decision I'm making. I say I, I say it's not Freeman. The reason is is because I have to play Freeman on Thursday night. So. You have to, or I mean, you Freeman. Don't have to. Freeman plays on Thursday night, so I don't have time to I sit mean, on that decision or find out what happens with Mark Ingram or whatever, right? Sure. So I like the matchup enough, being unsure about what's going to go on with Mark Ingram. Then I wouldn't do Ingram then, because Ingram's not again. Should it be Ingram this, versus no. Swift if Kamara doesn't play? No, I'm going to do Freeman and let's do Freeman and Swift. Okay. Let's do Freeman and Swift because what I'm saying is in a normal week, if everybody was playing on Sunday, the decision would be down to Freeman and Swift, right? Those would be the who am I plugging into my last roster spot. Sure. But because Freeman plays on Thursday, right? I don't want to have that remorse looking back on Thursday and saying, oh, shit, I should have done that. I mean, you've already said it yourself. You're playing Freeman. Yeah, so I'm playing Freeman for sure. So, I mean, that's the the debate right there, right? That you and I were just mostly having was Freeman and Swift. We weren't debating Ingram and Swift. We were debating Freeman and Swift. Swift is on a... Swift is is on a hundred total yards every other game. And this is the game that would be his hundred total yard week. Just to throw a more stupid narrative to the wind. go over 100 total yards and freeman has touchdowns in three straight games he does swift has had three touchdowns in this last four games while also seeing no less than five targets he's actually got five touchdowns no he doesn't he's got three touchdowns in total over three games swift has five touchdowns total in the year yeah he didn't get one this past week against philly that was also oddly i mean philly beat the living shit out of that's not freeman i don't know i i I like the defensive way. matchup more. Freeman versus Swift. That's PPR. Fair. It's fair. I mean, it, it's probably it's probably going to be minor enough. I hope both players go off because I also have both players in in various dynasty leagues. Anyways, we should probably move on. <laughs> what was that last game we were talking about? Oh, we just covered it. Was it Lions Detroit? Steelers? Okay, yeah, that, that was I was Lions wondering Steelers. how we ended up here. All right, Vikings. What could be the fantasy game of the week? We have Minnesota at Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are three point favorites at home. 53 and a half even is the game total. The Chargers have been great this year against the spread at five and three. They're two and two as favorites. So Vikings have been two and oh as away underdogs this year. Just covered against Baltimore at plus seven. But in both of those games that they covered, they were over three points. And this is, I think, where I lie in is that the Chargers are just a field goal favorite at home. Not having looking great, but they're just coming off of the hyper impressive win against Philadelphia where Herbert looked to have finally made its way back. I like the Chargers at minus three at home and I love the over. This is probably best, and there's a reason why for it. 
both offenses can definitely get rolling. And the Chargers have one of the worst run defenses in football, so Cook should be able to get himself going as well, which is why I like the points to be scored. Chargers, minus three at home, and the over. Vikings are chalk, so I'm just going to skip over that. Vikings are definitely chalk. Uh, the Chargers are looking Herbert for sure, Eckler for sure. Um, Keenan Allen has been a guy we haven't talked about a lot. He's this come year. on late. He's coming on as of late as Mike Williams has fallen off a little bit. Um, Keenan Allen's been very good about the last four weeks and had a very good first two weeks. So, yep, love Keenan Allen in this one. Uh, he's having very quietly another very good season, actually, seeing double-digit targets in most games. Um, actually, through eight games. Holy crap. Yeah, through eight games, one he's got, game against Baltimore. He's already been... got 82 targets. So he's put up a good season already. He's already got 82 targets. He's on pace for 160, 114 receptions, 1,200 yards, four touchdowns. So he's having a pretty good season. Uh, Mike Williams, a lot of people I think are looking for the ba- for the bounce back. Um, he has fallen off a lot as of late. The Chargers are still passing. He is still seeing target volume. Just not doing a lot with it. And he's not seeing like the same target week, volume he saw in the first couple weeks. But that's all to say, yes, I like him this week. This is a game that should be high scoring. Um, should require both teams to push the pace a little bit. It's going to be a fun I game to watch. I can't believe five targets and two catches. It's been his receiving line over the last, the last three, three weeks. weeks. Exactly. Last, exactly five targets, two catches. Does Except he, he had do three red zone targets against, against Philly. Does he do it? Either? Yeah, he had 16 targets against Cleveland. Other he, than went, that, he, went f- he went four games straight without a red zone target. That's insane. That is insane. Including two touchdowns against Cleveland. And really, four of the last five for him have been pretty lackluster. That 16-target yeah, game it, against it really, Cleveland is yeah. the outlier. I mean, like, but you look at who he went up against. Slay. Slay's a very good corner. Uh, J.C. Jackson is arguably the most underrated corner in the league. And Marlon yeah, Humphrey man, in Vegas, he had Damon Arnett. Yeah, I mean, he's gone off. He's struggled against some of the more elite corners. He doesn't and have an elite Vikings, corner. He does not have an elite corner this week. He doesn't he, have a high school level corner this week. The Vikings no. secondary is hot garbage. So they love Mike Williams. They are still hot garbage. But so enjoy it this week before he gets Pittsburgh and Denver, where he's got yeah. NFL level corners again. All right, we got another question. Clap, clap, nuts. <laughs> Great name. He's asking if he should trade Cooks and Swift for Patterson uh, and McLaurin. So it looks like Brandon Cooks and DeAndre Swift for Cordero Patterson and Terry McLaurin. This is that's close. It's close. Washington's offense has kind of fallen off. That is not McLaurin. a not a slap nuts trade. That is not a clap. That is more of a a clap on the nuts trade. It is full PPR. I don't know if that that does matter more so for Swift, but Patterson has been Patterson's very, very good in full PPR. So one side is Brandon Cooks and DeAndre Swift. The other side is Patterson and McLaurin. McLaurin. McLaurin's been a little up and down this year. Makes sense as Washington's offense has been hot garbage the last few weeks. I'll look at this for a second. I kind of like Patterson and McLaurin. I mean, Cook. I mean, it, it, I mean, Cooks was great pre-Tyrod injury, and it's not. I mean, even with Tyrod coming back, the it was 
ceiling ugly. for Cooks has gone away a little bit. So I think that that's the difference there is the two wide receivers. I like McLaurin a lot more than Brandon Cooks. I mean, I, I mean, McLaurin has had his last three games has been double digit targets. Just problem not. is, he's got only one of those games has gone over five catches. Right, but the target volume is definitely there. You know, Brandon the Cooks are insane. My God, has seen a bit of that too, but you know. It's been relatively inconsistent. Productivity hasn't quite, quite been there. Um, is Fitzpatrick supposed to miss the whole year? He's supposed no, to come back. No, he's on his way back. He, he saw some improvement. So oh, I, I God, think that McLaurin close. over Cooks is the biggest difference here for me. Um, Patterson has been putting up better numbers than, and more consistently than Swift though too. And without Ridley there as well, still going to stay involved in the receiving game. So I'm, I'm with you, Dan. I think it's Patterson and McLaurin. Patterson just had three carries this past week. I mean, the concern is, is that he'll fall. I mean, it's, he's been incredible this year, right? And it's hard to just ignore that. Uh, Cook's 13 targets in, in Tyrod's return. So, I mean, Cook's could return. I mean, I mean, he had 14, 11, and seven in those three games before, uh, you know, you know, before Tyrod went down and it was the Davis Mills show. So, I mean, he's going to go right back to where he was. You know, six catches, 56 yards. He had 118, you know, 118 air yards. He just didn't get touched on that week. And on a lower volume offense where we expect Washington to maybe score a bit more than Houston. I think it's kind of close, but I still lean Patterson the corner. I think it's a, it feels like it's almost a, a side trade for both. But there's clear advantages in, in both directions. I think I would still prefer Swift over Patterson. I just trust Swift a little bit more. But I think I lean McLaurin over Cooks. And that's where I think I go Patterson. Yeah, I agree with you that it's close, but I'm yeah. going to sit on the Patterson and All right. McLaurin side. That's a great question. Thank you guys for the question. Yeah, I like trade questions. It is the Those season, too. Tis the season as deadlines are, are rapidly approaching and playoff teams are starting to come afloat. Panthers at the Cardinals. Cardinals are 10.5 point favorites. Uh, 44 is the game total. What? Oh, did you know? No, 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 no. I heard the double digit spread, and then I was like, oof. And you're not sure about Murray and Hopkins? That's going to be. But no Darnold. You're going to get PJ Walker potentially at some point. Matt Barkley. Fill up Walker until he starts playing well. Sorry. Is it Philip? I thought it was PJ Walker. He goes by PJ. The P stands okay. for Philip. Philip ah, starts with a P. Sure. I'm still taking the Cardinals. Look, they look, they covered against a far better team in the I mean, say far better, but a better team in San Francisco. I'll uh this spread may go up if Murray does, and you may have to get this at a you know two or three, four points higher. Arizona has covered every game it's six and two this year in their spreads, three and two as favorites at home, or two and two at home as favorites. Panthers are, are about the same at 50-50 when it comes to being underdogs and four and five for the seasons. Colonels has just been the better team against the spread this year. Hopefully Murray is to return. And even when Murray wasn't playing, McCoy was able to get this done with this running game that missed Edmonds for the majority of the game. I will take the Cardinals at home at ten and a half, and I'm not betting the game total. I just don't like it. Not not, not until I know that we're going to get no yeah. Murray back at least. Yep. 
We need to say a lot of this game is going to be predicated on Murray and yeah, and Hopkins. We can talk about it so Sunday. we're going to need to talk more about this on on Sunday. Um, you know, the Panthers right now, I'm pretty sure, are going to be chalk. It's going to, which chalk right now is McCaffrey and more and nothing else. Is it is it is it more too, or is it just McCaffrey? I mean, are we excited about more? I'm not excited about more, but am I down enough on more where you throw him at the bench, given some of the other? Lackluster I mean, receiving performances. I mean, not also not really. He's getting targets, right? He's getting, I mean, I get it. He's getting targets, yeah. and you know the yardage is. I mean, it was bad last week, but the three weeks prior has not been terrible. So you don't love it, but you also don't love what Diggs has been doing lately, and you don't, you yeah. know, love some of what you've got. We like Buffalo's offense a lot more than Carolina's. Yeah, so it's just a thing to where I don't know that you can that you want to pull off a DJ Moore just yet. Um, look, but I think he's still going to be a top three wide receiver, you know, a top thirty six wide receiver, right? Which makes him startable in most formats. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see what the PJ Walker led offense is Carolina with this situation. You know, his first full game as a starter. Well, give me their top sure. receiver and nothing else. And yeah. CMC. He's going to be the safety net. On the Cardinals side, Christian Kirk's been very, very good. Um, you know, I don't know how much having or not having Hopkins infects that. It's going to be, is, you know, somebody that I'm comfortable with. It's going to be more, you know, Benjamin, who I'm curious how, how that affects. James Conner. Been good. This is definitely game scripted towards Connor. Um, you know, Benjamin, I'm probably going to hold off on a little bit because I don't expect this to be a game, even without Murray, this to be a game where there has to be a ton of, uh, of pass work involved. <laughs> so, and we'll see on, on Hopkins because that's going to largely drive how I feel about Kirk. Yeah. Rondell Moore see, is I- pretty much dead right now. Yeah, you can't. I mean, it, 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 it was fun, but it's. And I don't just mean that because he's concussed. He's done. He, he's he fell he, off. You, you you can confidently cut him in redraft leagues. Seahawks at the Packers. Packers three and a half point favorites. It's forty nine and a half is the game total. Look, the same thing about what we just talked about the Cardinals is kind of the same thing with Packers. I mean, this is the battle for OJ. Be- you know, this is the battle for you know for Beckham Jr. Basically, between these two teams. If you believe Rogers is going to play Sunday. You bet I do. Green Bay right now at three and a half. This is fantastic spread for him. You never ever bet against Rodgers. Green Bay has covered all but one game this year. The only game they didn't cover was the blowout loss that no one expected against the Saints in Week One. Been fantastic this year. They even covered against the Chiefs at, at, as as road dogs and still covered that game. I don't want to talk about it because I bet against them. But again, if Rodgers plays, this is an easy matchup and expect to and expect the spread to jump up pretty aggressively if that does happen. Same with the game total. I don't expect this to sit at 49. If you believe Jordan Love's going to play, take the under. If you believe Rodgers is going to play, I'd probably still take the under as Green Bay is one of the better and most improved defenses this year. Russell Wilson is set to return, so I get the lore of why Seattle is this high in their spread. But right now, I'm still taking Green Bay at home. Yeah, this is another game that's going to have a lot of Sunday implications. There's a lot here that is predicated by Aaron Rodgers and 
you know, that's not just for the Packers, but that's also for like you're not sitting Adams, obviously. No. But that's for the Seahawks as well, right? Because it's going to determine how that game script is going to look for them. And are they going to have to involve Tyler Lockett a ton and DK Metcalf a ton? Or is it going to be more of a, you're kind of eh on that one and, you know, maybe leaning towards more Chris Carson. If he's cleared to go, there's a lot with, there's a lot we don't know. This is going to be more of a check back Sunday. Right now, all I'm confident in is Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones even has been a little, little iffy this year. Yeah, it's happened pretty. The rise of of AJ Dillon and uh, and this offense being slower paced than he's been is just the one game of touchdowns has kind of just been it. Yeah, the touchdowns haven't really been there for him either, which was the big fall off. We were kind of waiting for that for that yeah. to happen to see him that volume tanked, and he's only got one game over a hundred yards on the ground. So, a um, couple games over a hundred scrimmage yards, but only one over a hundred on the ground. So, little iffy on. On that one, um, you know, you drafted him so high, it might be a little hard to sit, but, you know. Yeah. We'll check in on this one on Sunday, though, we'll, when we we'll know if Rodgers is playing or not and give a little bit more of a rundown as we go through start sits because that's going to have significant impacts on the game script and not just the Packers. Eagles at the Broncos. Broncos are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. 45 even is the game total. Look, both teams have have they're both pretty much even against the spread this year. Denver is back to back wins against the spread over the last two weeks. Obviously, the big one against Dallas when they were big dogs as a favorites this year. They are four and three. Eagles are three and four as underdogs this year. Look, the spread in itself. I just I'm not betting this. I'm not betting. Any spread this game. The game total at, at 45 seems exciting enough and low enough to where you can grab onto this. Uh, Denver's defense looked impressive even after the Von Miller trade. So I, I'm staying away from betting either team and I'm probably not going to bet the total. This is a, this is a, Ugly a skip them. I skip them game. Ugly game. Ugly game. Um, ugly game. Ugly I don't game. want anything to do with the Eagles in this one, given how good Denver's defense has looked outside of Jalen Hurts. I know Devonta Smith has gotten the volume. He's about the only other one I want to start. Miles Sanders is still out. Boston Scott and Jordan Howard have looked good. It's a tough defensive matchup, and they're eating into each other's work. Stay away. Um, Denver side of this, Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams have both been good. Problem with them is that they're both also eating into each other's work. Very much so. Gordon's been getting the touchdowns. As long as Gordon is getting the touchdowns, he's the one you want to start. Even if Javante Williams is the more efficient back and putting up higher yardage, 60 yards equals one touchdown, right? So <laughs> Gordon's getting the touchdowns. He's the one you want. Javante Williams, until he starts getting touchdowns, is going to be near the bottom of that, you know, back end running back two category. What you really need here. Hate to say it, you don't ever want to wish for it. You need an injury for one of them to really crack into super relevant territory. Yeah. They're both consistently flex options that you don't feel particularly great about. No, you do not. Trust me. I own them both. <laughs> Chiefs at the Raiders. Hey. Yeah, what? There's still wide receivers in Denver. Oh, God. She deposits. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll not pick really. It to you. 
I'll kick it to you when I'm ready. Damn it. Chiefs at the rate. Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> the receivers. So someone please think about the receivers. I don't know why I just did that. Oh, my God. And neither of them. All three of them. Tim Patrick's hurt. So we don't know, even know if Tim Patrick's going to play. Oh, God. That may actually help. That's somebody. actually going to help. Cortland Sutton, a little bit of a dud after the return to Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy probably gives you the most floor. Um, actually, I don't expect him to have to throw a tight on this. It's probably just Jerry Judy, given how things have yeah. gone. Noah Fant's coming back, too. Great. Tight ends suck. Play Noah Fant. Raiders at the Chiefs, or Chiefs at the Raiders, however that's going. Chiefs at the Raiders. Chiefs are two-and-a-half-point favorites. The league still just can't get over the fact that the Chiefs are not very good right now. 52 and a half is the game total. Raiders are three and one as underdogs. They've been the lone underdog on at, at home. They've won. Chiefs are two and seven. Three, oh, and three over their last three games. They've been favored in every game so far. Two and seven as the favorites. Look, until the Chiefs prove us otherwise, you don't bet the Chiefs. If you don't want to bet this game because it's because the spread's low enough, I get it. But I'll take the Raiders plus two and a half. And I'll take the over. This could be a very close. I expect this game to be a bit of a shootout. Obviously, Chiefs have a horrible defense. Raiders, while the loss of rugs sucks for their deep threat standpoint, it's just more consolidated work to their better receivers in Renfro. Edwards, Waller, and even Zay Jones, who's getting work. Raiders, two and a half. Over. Chiefs are chalk. That includes Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming off of IR. As far as the other side of this goes for the Raiders. Oh, wait. That's that's actually a Money Badger billboard now, because I have to start Money Badger in a lot of places. I pointed to it for Hunter Renfro. He's not there anymore. <laughs> Renfro is dealing with a late, late in ankle injury, but he's been the wide receiver to to possess there, and especially with Henry Ruggs in prison and forgotten about. Renfro or bust. Um, Darren Waller obviously playing him. You look at the backs in this one. That's where it's really going to get interesting. Um, I think this leans a bit towards Kenyon Drake from a passing standpoint, but not as much as I would have thought in years past with the Chiefs not playing well. So I think that they're both flex options as far as Drake and Jacobs go. I don't really lean heavily towards one or the other here. Um, Jacobs a little bit more, but I think that they're kind of both running back to flexible type people. I changed my stance. This is the Chiefs under. Chiefs last uh, four games of Gaul gone under. Last three point totals for the Chiefs 13, 20, and three. Not good. Yes, to play against Green Bay. This is also in the game against Titans and the Giants. No. Kenyon Drake, 80 or more scrimmage yards the last, the last two weeks. He didn't get a lot, ton of work on the ground, but he did get. Yeah, I feel We're a lot more confident. Even more last week, a little bit more confident with with yeah. Drake. Two touchdowns in the last three weeks. Uh, as far as Jacobs goes, uh, since coming back from yeah, since yeah. coming back from injury, um, 
just one game over 55 yards. He does have three touchdowns, however, so he's getting some of that goal line work, which could certainly play in your favor as well. Jacob's more likely to get the touchdown. Uh, Drake more likely to be heavily involved. Last game, Monday Night Football, Rams at the 49ers. Rams are four-point favorites. 49 is the game total. This might, might be one of the more chalk bets of the week. I don't know how the Rams are just minus four. I know they've been a bit disappointing at times. They're 0-3 against the spread. 49ers are poster games. childs of disappointment. So Yeah, they are. Yeah, Niners are also bad against the spread, just 2-6 and six this year so far. 0-4 as home team and 0-1 as underdogs at home, 1-1. One one. The fact that the Rams, these favorites include seven-point favorites and then two back-to-back 16-and-a-halves, they get a very favorable spread on the road at four. This is an easy smash Rams game, as hopefully it's a bounce back from the disappointment that they just faced against Tennessee. Again, game total I'm not in love with. I don't. I mean, Grapple's been playing better. Niners have kind of found what they've liked, and all their players have, for some reason, have finally been back at full health. But I'll take the Rams at four. Going to stay away from the game total. Expect this line to change. It's very early for this Monday night game. Expect this line to change a bit as we keep getting news throughout the week. Yep, very early for the Monday night game. Um, This is one where, look, the 49ers have the ability to to push a little bit of pace. We talked about them earlier in the show. I think you can start all three skill position players in this one. I, I really do. Debo Samuel is obviously the guy that I want to start most, but there it's another game where they figured to be playing from behind. Elijah Mitchell kind of falls into that flex running back type area. Um, but the three skill positions for the 49ers, I think you can absolutely play with. And Jimmy Garoppolo, much like Derek Carr in the last game, they're both viable streaming options this week. The flip side of this, you got the Rams. They're going to bounce back. I'm not worried about what happened to them against against Tennessee and I'm definitely not necessarily worried about it against the the 49ers. Joey Bo or Nick Bosa might get his a little bit, but other than that, um I expect the Rams to have a good solid bounce back game. You're good with Woods, you're good with Cup, you're fine with Stafford. Um Higby as far as tight ends go, it's it's run them out for them. Henderson. And yeah. Easily. Yeah. That's, a, it. that's the second most fun game for fantasy behind uh, Vikings, Chargers. I agree. It might be it might be Seahawks Packers if if Rodgers plays. If Rodgers plays, that's going to be a, a good that one too. Be, You're going to have three decent fun. games. So. Yeah, but but won't be fun. Lions Steelers. No, no, that game's going to be miserable. If there are games of the week, that is like my anti-game of the week. Is going to be the anti-anti game. I mean, fucking Philly and Denver might. <laughs> Philly Denver's up there for bad too. I think it's gross. Um, yeah, that one's going to be pretty gross. There's some that I think are going to be lopsided as well. Um, you know, one side or the other, but that's the definition of lopsided. But there's two pretty gross ones. Kansas City, Vegas could be. Uh, Sneaky God, I good. hope it is, man. The Chiefs need a bounce back game more more than any team in the NFL right now. They need a bounce back offensive game. Yeah. Even if they lose, they just need to look competent at offense again. My God. Yep, they've been bad. Twenty points, the most they've scored in a single game the last three weeks, and they only put up twenty seven against against uh against the Eagles four weeks ago. 
It hasn't been since Washington. They put up over 40 points in a game. I'm sorry, they put up reverse it. They put up 31 against Washington. They put up 42 against Philly. That was back in the beginning of October. Chiefs did not look particularly good. But no one's shopping at it. That's, that's it. That's it. We're done. You can, you can clearly tell that we both have been drinking high-proof alcohol. Obviously, wait, you more than me. Wait, but hold on. Denver has wide receivers. That's it. We're, we're done. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the questions. <laughs>